Welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Kim, and I'm so excited that you decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first episode, welcome. If you are a part of the community here at Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black, Welcome back. I'm so thankful that you guys continue to come back and listen each and every episode. And I'm also very thankful for you guys that DM me to tell me you got so much out of the podcast or you've taken your notes. And I really appreciate all of that because, you know, even the encouragers need to be encouraged sometime. But what I would really appreciate is Even more is if you guys took the time to leave a review on the podcast, if you haven't done so. So you can do that wherever you are listening, whether it be Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. You can simply leave a comment and then you can also just rate the podcast. And if you have been finding these podcasts helpful, as I've stated, you've DM me and let me know. Why haven't you shared it? You can share on Insta story, you can share on Instagram, you can simply copy the link and send it to a friend in your text messages. Super easy. And if you need help, just let me know. All right. Now, last week, we, last week, I talked to Dr. Sophia Reed and we had a really good conversation about how the behavior of single parents affect children So if you are that mom who doesn't really feel like how the way you act affects your children and you want to know more about that, definitely check out the last episode. We even went into how Sophia was living a lifestyle that she has completely changed And also she shared her story about working in a juvenile correctional facility and how that has influenced some of the ways that she parents. So yeah, definitely go check that out. It was really good. I had to go back and listen to it myself. Now this week, we're going to actually be beginning the pregnancy series. So I know you're probably thinking, what's pregnancy? Yes, pregnancy. So there are some moms who happen to be single moms during pregnancy. Now, I did not experience this. So, of course, I had to bring on some other moms to sit down and chat about this because this is really real. I mean, people are single moms for all different reasons, whether it be divorce, whether it be by choice, whether it be by force, I mean, death, there are all kinds of reasons out there, okay? So today I am going to be chatting with Martine who decided that she didn't want to wait any longer to have a kid. And so she basically went about it on her own. Stay tuned for her story. Hi, Martine. Welcome to Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am so excited to have you on to share your story. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to speaking to you and sharing my story with your audience. Awesome. So can you briefly tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? 
Sure. Um, so I am going to be 39 very shortly. <laughs> and about um, a year and a half ago, I actively started to try to conceive on my own. And um, that basically was because I wasn't finding Mr. Right. And it was very important for me to start a family. Um, and I wasn't sh sure exactly how to proceed with that. But several years ago, I started doing some research and I saw that um, using IUI and using other fertility methods were going to be a viable option for me. So I took some steps to proceed in that. And last year, I just actively started that journey. Oh, awesome. So you said you started this journey because you really wasn't finding Mr. Right. And now, you know, like mm -hmm. in our communities, um, they're kind of like, if you don't find that person, like that's just it, right? You can't have a child or you shouldn't be trying to have a child. So how, I don't right. know, what was that feeling like for you? It was a really difficult decision in some ways because I was concerned about not so much what my family would think because I kind of have a family that's, you know, open to these things, but more so how society would look at me being a black woman, starting a family on my own. It was a really difficult decision to make just because I was worried about public opinion. But in the end, I'm the type of person that when I want to do something, when I have something on my mind, I always just go for it, no matter what anyone thinks, that's just always been who I am. Um, so I, although it took me some time to get to that place where I could actively start, I, I wasn't going to let anyone else's opinion really completely stop me from proceeding. I mean, I have the right, I, I did have somebody say to me actually that it's maybe just not in the cards for you, like maybe you're not meant to have children. And I'm oh, thinking, no. mm-mm. <laughs> You will not no, no, no. My life. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. And, you know, these these methodologies like IUI and IVF are there for a reason. They're there for a purpose. Yes, they are there to support couples. But I believe that it is also my right to use those methods to try to start my own family, especially because it is difficult. I don't know for you, but for me, it was difficult for me to find someone, you know, that I wanted to share my life with that was that was also a professional and had all those things that I was looking for and um, the clock was ticking. So I had to do something. <laughs> yeah. Sense. Yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. And see, for me, yeah. um, I was actually in college. So, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of times we talked about like unplanned pregnancy. So moms was like, mm -hmm. one of those. so <laughs> I was mm -hmm. just in college and I ended up pregnant. So we were not really in a space where we were professionals or we even knew what we were doing. Actually, I was 21. You know, so right. it's, we're in, I guess, I guess we're in a, like kind of a different space, right? Because you're 38, about to be 39. So you know mm -hmm. what you actually want for your life. I didn't have a clue mm -hmm. at 21, you know? <laughs> so now I have some clues, some clues <laughs> that I'm very yeah. thankful for. But yeah, so interesting. Now, mm -hmm. um, I was watching one of your videos and um, I think you said something about by the age of 40, like 70% of your mm -hmm. age is no longer viable. So is that kind of why you're like, okay, I'm 38, about to be 39, so I need to go ahead and make this happen? Yes, actually, when I was, I've always, I always knew at some point I wanted to start a family. So I had heard early, later in my 20s that after 30, your fertility drops in half. 
But I thought, well, maybe it then becomes stagnant, you know, (laughs) maybe by then, you know, by the time, so I'll still have some time. So around 35, I thought, okay, I can, you know, I'll give myself till 40. But thank goodness, I actually started doing my research earlier on. And I went to see a doctor just as a consultation. I actually didn't intend last year, around this time, actually, I didn't intend last year on actually starting my journey until the fall. But when I went to see this physician, he said, oh, no, 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 you cannot wait because if you keep delaying the process, like time is ticking and literally your eggs are just aging by the minute. I mean, I know he sounds like an alarmist, but I did do some research going home and I thought, I literally cannot wait because who knows how long it'll take to get pregnant. Who knows what kind of methods I'll have to use. So the longer I wait, the longer, you know, I'm just delaying the process and putting myself at risk for not being able to conceive in a more natural way. Mm -hmm. So I really had to just jump on that bit. It really urged me. It lit a fire under me. And thank goodness I have insurance. I mean, I have to say that that's a blessing because the biggest, one of the biggest things I think in starting this journey is the financial burden for people, um, especially if you're on your own, you're not in a couple, coming up with the, the finances for this can be really daunting. So I really started doing research about what my insurance covered, how much things would cost, and thank goodness, I have really good coverage. Um, and I was able to start the journey sooner than I anticipated originally. Wow, that's amazing. Um, Yeah, I think I want to go back a little bit. So let's talk about Mm -hmm. how you actually decided to share your Mm -hmm. journey via YouTube. Right. So again, doing research, I'm someone I call myself the Googler because I love using (laughs) No, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) The search engine to just research everything. And I'm not someone who just jumps into things blindly. I like to do my research and just figure out you know, the proper steps to take. And so part of my research was actually using YouTube and trying to find single mothers by choice that were like me. So, you know, middle-aged, African-American, single women. And I found it so hard. I really didn't anticipate it being that difficult, but I found it so difficult initially to find anyone who was sharing their story. Um, I came across two people originally. So Boston Girl TV was one of the first women I came across. And then Arlette Hardy from Chasing Joy. Um, And so those were the only two women who had been through the same experience. They were quite a few years ahead of me in the game. Um, So I decided I need to show more representation. I It was hard for me at first because I'm not someone who's into the limelight or putting herself out there. I find myself super awkward on camera, but <laughs> I thought I have to, you know, really, I just, I thought, even though I'm, I'm in the teaching profession, I am mortified to be on camera, but I thought, you know, I have to get over that because I feel like there's there's a need for that. I I know I needed the support and I needed the advice. I needed the information and the resources were very limited. Often it was, you know, 
single white women that you could potentially find and you could find lots of websites that share their stories or just women in a different tax bracket than, than I'm in, right. like a much higher tax bracket. And I just wanted to find just normal, middle-class black women that were going through the same experience. So I thought I had no, put my feelings aside, put my modesty aside. I have to share that story with people and I'm really happy I did I found like it was a slow start but people are starting to find the channel more and more and I really love that people are asking me like this is why I wanted to start the community I'm like oh they're coming to me they're asking questions they're looking for support and then they were a great support for me as well as I was going through the process so that was amazing and it's something that I didn't expect Yes, because like you never know who's actually going through the same thing or thinking about going through that until you share. And it's like, because like they're afraid too. They don't know where to start or who to go to. And they don't have that courage that you had to say like, hey, I'm going to start this and, you know, share my story with the world. And I'm so glad. I encourage everyone to do it, actually. Yes. It's like your life is like, could be really be like a testimony and could really impact someone else's life. Exactly. Yeah. And I find too, I I was worried um, also when I first started because I'm a single black woman starting a family, I was concerned initially about, you know, hate and people coming to my channel to really um, become negative um, and, just say really negative things about me. But outside of three comments since I started October 2016, I haven't had anything but love and support. So I found that also to be amazing. I mean, not that my channel is huge or anything yet, but I I just expected more people to come and out of a place of hate, but it's actually been really supportive. So that's why I encourage other people to share their stories because I think there's so many more women out there who are thinking about it or who want to start the process. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Awesome. What methods did you actually compare? I know recently you mentioned IUI and IVF. Mm -hmm. So for those people who don't even know like what IUI Mm -hmm. means or IVF, can you break that down a little bit and then talk about if you try both or just one? Sure. Um, So IUI is basically intrauterine insemination, and that is where you, well, I had to take Clomid and other fertility medications before I was ovulating. And then on the day of ovulation, they give you a trigger shot and you go to the doctor's office and they essentially take the donor sperm and inseminate you through your uterus, um, through a catheter. So that is the most quote unquote natural way. (laughs) That is the most natural way because they are not, you know, removing anything from your body or doing anything invasive. And then IVF is in vitro fertilization. And that is way more invasive, time consuming, and you really have to keep to a strict um, sort of medical I don't know how to phrase it, but basically you have to follow very strict guidelines for taking your medication every day. Um, I almost got to that point. So I did try two rounds of IUI. It didn't work with my first choice uh, for a donor and that didn't go well. And I started to get frustrated. And I, 
I can be a little bit of a diva. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I've tried twice and it's not working. And I'm, <laughs> I, I was so emotional. Meanwhile, other people had been trying for two and a half years with no success. And I've been trying for a few months and I'm like, oh, this is so much. Um, so I went to my doctor and I said, listen, let's cut to the chase. You told me time is a ticking. So let's go for IVF next round. And so initially he okayed that. We went through my insurance and initially we thought we could proceed. Therefore, I started taking the rounds of medication. So I had to inject myself with two different types of medication every night. I had to go in constantly for monitoring. So every couple of days I had to go in so they could monitor the size of my follicles because they have to be a certain size in order for them to trigger your, your ovulation and release the eggs from your ovaries. Uh, so I did that. But then in the middle of that, the insurance company said, actually, you have to do another round of IUI, which is the less invasive. So my doctor said, all right, that's fine. We'll still, still continue with the IVF medications. But rather than removing those eggs and fertilizing them outside of your body, we'll do an insemination. And that panicked me a little bit because I did have quite a few follicles and I thought, oh Lord, I'm going to end up with multiples. I'm going to be octo mom. But <laughs> luckily um, that didn't happen. And actually that is how I did get pregnant um, with my daughter. <laughs> so yeah. um, yay, baby girl. So um, yeah, so that's, that was sort of, my journey with IUI and IVF. I was ready to start IVF, but um, the insurance company said I had to do one more IUI and then I got pregnant. So I didn't have to proceed any further. Sweet. So yeah. I know you mentioned earlier that your insurance was really good. Kind of mm -hmm. talk about like the coverage and how much you actually had to pay out of pocket. Was mm -hmm. your donor covered with the insurance as well? Well, I was lucky with my insurance in the sense that they did cover the monitoring and the insemination of the IUIs, which typically, at least at my physician's office, I think it's the prices may differ from state to state or from doctor to doctor, mm -hmm. but it was $1,500 for the monitoring and insemination per cycle. So I had two, three cycles essentially of IUI. They, that would have cost me $1,500 each cycle, but my insurance paid for that. The only thing I did have to pay for were the co-pays whenever I went to the doctor's office, which included, I had uh, blood work every time that I went so they could monitor my hormones. And I also had a sonogram every time I went. And that was approximately $50 each time that I went to the doctor's office for monitoring. Um, and then with donor sperm, that is definitely not covered. <laughs> I don't think by any insurance. So you really have to look around and the prices differ greatly from cryobank to cryobank. I believe the most expensive or one of the most expensive is the California cryobank, mm -hmm. which I did not use. It's nearly a thousand dollars per oh vial. Mm -hmm. and, and I use three... I use three vials, okay, but not from the California. <laughs> okay. Yeah, not from California cryobase. 
so I did look, my doctor, when I went, gave me a list of different cryobanks and they told me, you know, do my research, but these are reputable ones. Go and see what prices work for you, which donors, you know, you prefer. And the ones that I happened to prefer came from different cryobanks. One was the International Cryobank and then the other was the Seattle Sperm Bank. I used both of those um, to buy donor sperm. So the, I used two vials from the International Cryobank and that cost me, I believe it was $1,600 for the two okay. vials. And from the Seattle Sperm Bank, I believe it was $800 just for the one vial. So approximately the same price. Okay. I think shipping was a bit different, but yeah. So that came out of my pocket uh, for, for my insemination. Yeah. It's, uh, but I got, you know, it's a blessing. And it, had I proceeded with IVF, I would have only had to pay 10% of the cost. And to me, that's also a blessing. So it would have been about $8,000 out of my pocket, which is, <laughs> it's a lot, but you know, it's, cheaper than paying, you know, like 20 grand or something out of pocket. So, yeah. So I I was blessed to only have to use IUI, but I was prepared to pay more for IVF. For one round of IVF, it would have cost me 8,000. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's quite an expense. And I think that's, that's something single women by choice or single mothers by choice or, or women who are considering it really that's the deterrent more than yes. public opinion sometimes yes. it's how am I going to afford this and you, there, there is the option of buying the donor sperm and then using it on your own at home so there are cryobanks that will ship the vials to your home and provide you with a kit that you can then use to inseminate yourself not through your uterus through the vagina as if you were having intercourse uh so you can take that chance but the it is statistically less successful but it's a it can be a less expensive option the other option I did look into as well before realizing that my insurance could help me a little bit was looking for donor sperm but through a live donor so looking at there are some websites out there where you can actually uh, speak to men and get to know them a little bit and they are willing to share the goods with you um, (laughs) at a lower cost or even for free and I know I believe Boston Girl TV that's sort of the method I believe she used because after some time she exhausted all of her finances I'm not 100% on that, but I believe that that's part of her story. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. how did you actually um, decide on your donor? Um, I know, like, when I listened to um, another podcast episode about a single mom by choice, it seems like she actually, like, got a list, or she's, I think, like, there were like a list of like donors and characteristics and then she like narrowed mm-hmm. the list down and she got those files. And I think she said she had 24 to 48 hours to review those files to determine oh. like who she would actually pick, but she was in Australia. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's a different in the U S. Yes. I didn't have a time restraint on looking at the files. So I used, everything was online. I purchased online. I looked at the, different um, profiles online. 
I forget which cryobank it was, but there is a cryobank where you can view the profiles completely, pictures included, all of the details for free, but you pay more for the vials and I believe a little bit more for shipping. So I did look at one of those and I, the other ones you had to pay, I believe something like $50 for three months or I forget the exact subscription or yeah, I believe it was $50 for three months and you could have all access to audio recordings, pictures, et cetera. So initially I, because um, I was doing this with a fertility doctor, they tested me and because I never had the chicken pox in my life, I was restricted to other donors or donors who also had never had the chicken pox because then if I become infected, then it could affect the baby and so on. So I was limited in my donor choices. So that was one way that I could eliminate some donors. They had to be, I forget what it's called, but anyway, they, they had to be free of chicken pox throughout their life in order for me to consider them so that they wouldn't impact my birth. Uh, so that was one way to eliminate. But essentially, I, did, I didn't have any physical characteristics in mind other than maybe height because I did want someone a bit taller. Uh, but other than that, I was just really looking for someone and listening, actually. I listened a lot to the audio recordings. I wanted to listen and hear the person answer questions because I wanted to see the type of personality they might have and if they just sounded kind. Because I, another restriction that I had was that I wanted my donor to be an open donor, which means that my child at the age of 18, if he or she at the time, if you know, he or she chose to at the age of 18, could then seek out their donor parent and get information on them medically or get to know them. I wanted that option for my child because I feel like it's not, it shouldn't be my choice whether or not they get to know their birth father. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, so that was another restriction that I had. But other than that, I was looking for someone who sounded kind and, you know, intelligent. So it was daunting because there's so many options uh, from site to site. There's just so many people. I became overwhelmed. And then finally I decided, you know what? I have some really good people in my life. I have some, like a good core of girlfriends who really know me, who know what I want. And I, so I decided, okay, I'm going to give them 10 options. We're going to go out to dinner. We sat down and they basically helped me to narrow down. Oh no, girl, like this one's no good. Or like, oh no, we don't like this one. And (laughs) I called it a picking party. So so we basically went to dinner and we read the profiles together and they really helped me now narrow down the choices to three. And then my mom, who also I trust and love, helped me now narrow down to two. And then I had to decide on the final one. So that really was helpful and it made it more fun. And, you know, when you're single and going through this process, it can be actually quite lonely and it can be just very mechanical because you're going to the doctor so much, you're getting blood drawn every, you know, every week or something, you're taking all these medications and I wanted some fun, you know, I wanted to have some fun with it and they really helped me make one of the biggest decisions of my life, which was amazing. 
uh, and I appreciated that. So that's basically what I did. There were some restrictions, but I tried to stay open because I think if you try to limit yourself to too many factors, you're never going to find Mr. Right. That's kind of like dating, right? Like if you just right. have this very strict list of who you're into, you're just not going to find him because nobody's perfect. That's the same thing with the donor. So I think you just have to go with your gut feeling. And if there are some non-negotiables, obviously, but it, the list shouldn't be too long as to what you're looking for or not looking for. Okay, interesting. Let's go back a little bit and talk about how you actually mm-hmm. decided on your fertility specialist. Because I know, mm-hmm. you know, there are quite a few places that you can go, you know, to start the process. But um, I know on your YouTube channel, you actually went to a midwife and they actually gave you some recommendations, right? Yes, exactly. So I, I've been very open with my doctors all along about my intentions, and they actually agreed that that's a good option for me, considering my advanced, like they like to put it, my advanced maternal age. Uh, So she was very open. And I was a little bit nervous to share, you know, to say it to her that this is how I wanted to become pregnant. But she was very, oh, I love midwives, by the way. They're so great. So she was just very kind and open and says, oh, my gosh, I have this great doctor. Um, I explained to her that I work in Brooklyn, so I need something close to my job that would make it easier. And it was, you know, the stars were aligned, and uh, she recommended this position. I did do some research because, again, that's just who I am. Uh, and I also spoke to my cousin who had been through fertility treatments with her husband, And um, she suggested a particular website. I can't recall it right now, but there was a particular website that I could use to look at their profile and look at their success rates. So when I compared other physicians to this one, I thought that he had a pretty good success rate. I also looked up his reviews online to see how his patients felt about him and how they felt about the office. And generally, this particular doctor from this practice had some glowing reviews. And that's essentially how I made my choice. Okay, awesome. I don't know if you mentioned this um, in the beginning, but Mm -hmm. I remember you saying that you got two vowels uh, from one place and then one vowel from another place. Did you have to use all three of those? Or like, how many, tell me again, how many rounds you actually had to have? And did your doctor like let you know that, okay, the first round may or may not work. We're just gonna, you know, do what we can or, how was that for you? Yes, yeah, so I did use all three vials. Um, and my doctor, yes, in the beginning did tell me, like, listen, we're just going to try this. Because, again, I really did not expect to start this journey as soon as I did. I thought I had several more months because I'm a larger woman. I wanted to lose weight, and I, I wanted to do all of these things and save more money. But he insisted, and I thought I agreed with him. So the first round was just like, let's see how your body reacts to this medication because you're taking essentially, Clomid is a medication that helps to produce more follicles in a month because as a woman, typically only produce one follicle from one ovary at a time per month and then they alternate. But with fertility medications, they um, essentially make your body produce a lot more follicles from both sides. So he wanted to see how I would react to the medication. And we were hoping the first time for four follicles, but I only had two 
or three, I believe. It's so long ago now. But I believe not more than three follicles that were of a decent size. They also have to be a certain size. So the first round, I was of two minds. I was hopeful, but also based on the number of follicles I actually produced that were of a good size, I knew it wasn't likely. And that was the longest two weeks of my life when you have to wait to, to be tested or wait for your period to come. It's just like, oh, it's, it's a lot. And the second round, I was even more hopeful. <laughs> but again, I didn't produce the number of follicles that I should have. And that's where I got really frustrated, I think. Um, I just was, I wanted him to just give me more medication. At that point, I'm like, I don't care what it does to me, just pump me full of drugs so I can produce more eggs. But it, it wasn't working for me. So I was, I was, that's where I think I had like an emotional breakdown. I think I have a video about that. I just had this emotional breakdown. Uh, and then by the third time, I had just given up. <laughs> I was just like, this isn't going to work because I was supposed to hide by VS and that didn't work out. And I had just given up on IUI being a viable option. I just really thought that that's just not going to be the thing that works for me. I need more invasive procedures, especially because of my age. And my doctor always said to me, he always said, you need to believe in yourself and your body. You will get this, like you will do this. And I was just being so negative. Um, and he proved to be right. You know, I was wrong and he was right that I had to really trust in my body. And it is a, a numbers game. It is a chance. It's by chance. It's also you know, depending on how your body is that month, the, the, and hopefully a sperm being able to find its way to an egg, it's all by chance. I don't know how people get pregnant because it's just, yeah, know, it like seems me. impossible. I was, so, like, I was impossible. so young. I guess it's like so much easier when you're younger, right? You're like super fertile. Yes. Because oh. I was yes. like, so like most of my friends, they were already like having sex, um, I don't know, at like 16 or whatever. And I did not even start having sex until probably like 19, 20. And so, mm -hmm. um, like, I hadn't even been having sex a year and I got pregnant. <laughs> you know, it was just like, yeah. what? It's crazy. The younger you are, I have to say, so if you know, for any women out there, if you know that uh, you do want to have a child, like the younger, the better, because... I, that's why I wish I had some hindsight and I wish I had planned better because it's just really difficult the older you get. So anybody listening, if you're in your 20s, start planning your future. <laughs> if it's important to you, not all women want to have children, but it's important. if it's important, then you should do it. Yes. Now, um, you yeah. also mentioned, and I'm sorry to keep going back, but I just want to touch it's on, okay. I think it's very important um, because like a lot of women in their 30s um, have mm -hmm. issues with fibroids. And I know you mentioned mm -hmm. that you actually had a, a fibroid. And so um, I know this one lady who has been talking about her journey online and she actually mm -hmm. had to get it removed before she can start the insemination process. Did you have to get yours removed um, before you actually started? Well, luckily for me, I mean, fibroids do run in my family, and it's very common in Black women to have fibroids. Yes. Uh, luckily for me, it was, it was very small, and it was in a place where it would not impact my fertility or impact uh, my chances of becoming pregnant. 
but the doctor did say if it was placed in a different area or anything like that, like it can be a burden or can be a hindrance to becoming pregnant. Okay. But for me, it did. I didn't have to have any procedures, or and even even now, I was concerned it might affect my pregnancy, but it hasn't. Thank goodness. Oh yes, that's great. When you talked about like the cost of the treatment and everything, you talked about mm-hmm. like saving. So I know you kind of mm-hmm. talked about it on your channel too. But how did you change your mindset to like stop? like living your life for you basically and start planning uh, for a family because, you know, you had to make that sacrifice to save. Yeah, it was hard because I, my dream ever since I was a child was to live in the city. I grew up on Long Island. I never liked it. Sorry, anybody from Long Island, (laughs) but I never, it just, it doesn't fit me. It didn't fit me. So i I really love the, and I'm very independent. So I love being in the city. I love my apartment in Brooklyn. I was very happy, but I realized that having a child was even more important to me. Um, That became my priority. And to me, I was willing to make the sacrifice for my child. Because I think that's what parents do anyway, right? Like you make sacrifices for your family and for your kids. So I knew that it took a while to come to it. Don't get me wrong. It took me years to say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pull the trigger and I'm going to talk to my mom about this Um, because I essentially moved back with my mom on Long Island to be able to save money. Um, It was hard, but I, there was no other way that I could afford it. There was absolutely no other way that I could save money and, and do this Um, because the city is very expensive. So yeah, I called my mom and we had a talk. And to my surprise, she was like, yep, come on home. <laughs> I'll see you. You know, I had one more year on my lease, so I did the year. And then I moved home. Um, saving money was not easy either because, you know, once you move home, you have extra money in your pocket. Right. And like, oh, <laughs> I can do this and I can do that. You kind of lose sight sometimes of your goal. But essentially, I was able to stay on track and put away as much as I could uh, to start the process. I wished I had been able to save more before I started, but again, I didn't expect to start earlier. I expected to start a few, six months later, but no regrets. And I think that again, if something is very important to you, you're willing to, yeah, you're willing to give some things up and it's hopefully temporary. You know, Mm -hmm. hopefully my goal is to go back to the city eventually. And, you know, we'll see. But yes, it I'm excited it. for you and this whole yeah, process. Thank you. Thank All you. Right. Um, you mentioned that your mom was like, come on home. You know, I'm really glad that she was so open to what you were doing because a lot of times, like, people are not open. I know, like, I'm from originally from Mississippi. I currently live in Houston. But mm-hmm. a lot of people back home are closed-minded, if you know what I mean. Like, they are not open yes. to, like, this like process or like a whole lot of other things um as far as like you know making the choice to be a single mom Mm -hmm. and just like I don't know just being single and away from them and all of that because I moved here alone like none of my immediate family lives here now I do have some distant relatives but we don't really communicate so 
Yeah, and so um, they were not really like, oh, well, my grandma was kind of like, are you sure you want to do that? So she really wasn't, like, big on, and then especially, like, when I got pregnant, like, she used to call me and talk about, like, why did you do this to yourself, like, every day. So I know, like, it can be so, like, I don't, like, frustrating, like, trying to talk about mm-hmm. these kind of things to your family. So I just want to mm-hmm. know, um, other than your mom, because I know you said that she was supportive, like, how... Uh, were, were your other family members when you told them about your decision to become a single mom by choice? So I'm Haitian. And so traditionally, Haitian people are very conservative, you know, in that in their thinking about family planning. Uh, I don't think many people talk about it. And even my cousin who had fertility treatment, she um, did not, I didn't even know until I started my journey. And then she, she opened up to me and we were close growing up, but I had no idea that she had planned, you know, tried to plan a family with her husband and it didn't work out the way they hoped. Um, so my family doesn't really talk about these things. Um, so it was a little scary for me to share it with them, but no one, when I did start to share with people, no one actually said to me, no, you can't do this, or no, this is wrong. But their reaction was like, oh, (laughs) kind of like, huh, you know, you're doing that. Um, And they had more questions. So my family just typically had more, they didn't know about the process. They didn't know what IUI necessarily was, or know about donor sperm too much, or how that would work. And I think mainly some of the comments that I got was like, oh, so your mom's going to raise this child, right? Because everyone thinks that I'm just going to, you know, load the kid on my mom while I go out and have life. (laughs) So I think that was more of the comments that I got. But luckily, it wasn't anything crazy. And the negative comments that I did get did not come from my family. It was mainly from, you know, a couple of people from my channel that I had started or just kind of shady comments from so really people that colleagues <laughs> didn't have any yeah. on your life like kind of like irrelevant yeah. <laughs> right people that I honestly whatever you think what you think and you're not in my daily life necessarily right. so it didn't matter but my family I think they just had more questions to my surprise and I have an uncle who is Uh, a little more conservative in his thought, like sometimes homophobic, um, (laughs) kind of thing. And so for him, he just didn't really say anything about it. And he still doesn't say much about it. But again, now that I'm pregnant, like everyone's invested, a little too invested. Everybody wants to do this and have a baby shower and like everybody's excited about it. Uh, But I'm lucky that way because I know in some families and I've talked to women from my channel, they literally have zero support and they're so afraid to come out and share their plans with their family. Uh And they feel as though that they're not going to be supported or, you know, so that is sad to me. So that's another reason why I wanted to start my channel too, is because I know that I'm blessed and lucky to have a family that wasn't overtly angry or dismissive of what I was trying to do. And I know not everyone is that lucky. So I wanted to have a place where people could come and feel supported, even though I know it's a virtual and I'm not there in their daily life, but I wanted them to have a place to come and express their concerns and like 
share their stories and get support because they may not have it in their personal life. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Other than like moving back in with your mom, what are some Mm -hmm. other sacrifices that you had to make before starting the journey? Um, so I honestly, financially, I guess it was a bit of a sacrifice too. I'm someone who likes to travel a lot. And even though I was able to take two trips in the last year, uh, one to Europe and then another to Savannah, I still felt that I had to really watch my pennies. And for me, that's hard because it's always been about me. I'm an only child, number one. And number two, again, I've always been independent and never had to worry about anybody else but myself and maybe my dog or something. But I, (laughs) I (laughs) I felt sort of restricted that way at times because I really had to think about what I was doing financially Um, And then in terms of, I don't call it a sacrifice, but really trying to focus on my health. So I have an autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And so it's basically um, a disease where your body attacks different parts of your body. And in this case, my body attacks my thyroid. And I have to be very vigilant with medication and my diet. I had to give up gluten. That was a sacrifice. I had to give up bread and pasta and things like that. That was a major thing, but trying to really focus on being healthier for my child. So like when, when I'm going out, I give up alcohol. I was a smoker. So that was one of the hardest things I've had to give up, but good for me and good for my child. Uh, so that health wise, I feel that was the other big thing that I had to focus on and make sacrifices with. Um, so giving up alcohol, smoking, trying to focus on my diet, things like that. Okay, that's really interesting. Ooh, can I <laughs> add one more? Sorry to cut you yes, off. No, I no, you're about fine. it too. Because <laughs> that's a major one for a single woman. So at times you do get a little lonely and you think like, oh, maybe I need to start dating. So I did think that it would be smart to start dating while I was going through this, but that was not so smart. <laughs> so that is a sacrifice. <laughs> I had to make it was to really put that on the back burner and really put my love life and personal life on the back burner because I just found like it wouldn't be fair to start seeing someone or or be out there on the dating scene while also taking fertility medications and trying to get pregnant. It doesn't seem like a good, good combination in my situation anyway. Uh, So that was hard because I have wanted to, get back out there but I realized that the timing is just not good right now so okay that's very interesting like for me um I just feel like it's a lot um you know because you have to find a babysitter and I don't like I know you'll have your mom there but like for me here mm-hmm. um without family it's just like the cost to pay a sitter to go out on a date that may be like what an hour maybe two hours and you know, like to have a sitter come over and I like, it's an investment on your behalf. So you have like, I don't know. I feel like I have to talk to the guys like for a period of time before I even go out on a date simply because it's an investment for me and I have to find a sitter and all of that, you know, and a lot of them just don't understand. And so that's why I'm just like, right now I just put dating like to the side because I just feel like, like I don't have time right now, you know, because it's like, 
to talk to you. I have to get to know you and like figure out if you're actually worth me like sitting down with you to have a conversation like outside of being on the phone, you know? So I agree. Yeah, that's that's definitely a time investment that I'm sure, you know, between your working and having to care for your daughter and make time for her is difficult. And even though I think about it too, like even though yes, I do have my mom that will happily help me with, you know, childcare. But I'm thinking also when you're looking for a partner now, it's it's sort of takes on a different tone because yes. it's not just again it's not just about you you have to think about who's going to be good for your, for your child, child too yes mm-hmm. and so that puts a totally different spin on things and makes yeah. it a little bit more of a challenge so I imagine that that's really hard yeah and like with my age like I feel like a lot of the guys are still not like mature like they're not ready to be mm-hmm. like a father and I don't know if like anybody could ever be ready but I feel like there are some characteristics or traits that you can see in a person that lets you know that they will be able to lead or they will be able to be a great father you know and everybody is not capable and I I do understand that so it makes the it makes the dating like a whole lot harder yeah and it's a lot to ask of someone especially I imagine at your age like I'm older so I'm thinking right typically the the guys I'll be seeing are a little bit older although the young ones seem to like me too the 24 27 year olds (laughs) I'm thinking you're like a baby I can't even deal with you but you know I I imagine in your 20s it's hard to ask it's a lot to ask of somebody to come in and have like instant family basically so I understand that Yes, and it's like they're still in this mindset of like having fun and enjoying life, which I'm not mad mm-hmm. because if I didn't have a child, like I would literally, like I love traveling too, and I would literally be somewhere like all the time. <laughs> so yeah, like, of course. Right now, I'm just like that's not even like on my list of things to do. So maybe like yeah. I was like maybe um like in the, the next few months or a year, I don't know. I just really don't think about it that much. <laughs> But I feel like taking your time and meeting people slowly is good, you know? Yeah, I just think, like, when the time is right, you know, I'll get there. I'll carve out some time to actually talk to somebody. But just right now, um, it's not my focus. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And you're exhausted, too, I imagine. I'm thinking I work at a school, um, and I'm really starting the next journey in my life, although I'm not even through with this one but the next chapter I want to really focus again on my career and starting to think about what's good for me because I'm not sure what you do for your day-to-day but for me I work in a school with kids and when I get home after commuting an hour and a half each way and then working with kids all day and coming home I mean I don't know how you have to tell me how you do it because I'm I'm just tired and I'm just thinking (laughs) like then you have then add a child to the mix, you know, I'm going to have a, a, a daughter and I'm thinking, okay, now I have to care for a child when I come home, I have to make dinner and get them ready, you know, the life. So then how do you, yeah. how do you find the energy for a partner? So, I think it's hard <laughs> to put the energy in. Yeah, I don't know how definitely. you're doing it. <laughs> like, okay, so, you know, I was 21, like, well, when I got pregnant, but I when I had my daughter, like, um, in February and I made 22 in um, May. Mm-hmm. So I, Back then, mm-hmm. I was working, like, at a, still working at the restaurant that I was working at when I got pregnant. So mm-hmm. um, I took, like, a year off from school, and thankfully, I found, like, a full-time job um, for a nonprofit in, like, 
I think July after I had her. And so I started mm-hmm. working there. So in the beginning, like it was okay. Like um, I didn't have to commute that far because again, I'm from Mississippi and like I live right. close to my job. So it was like, okay. I would go to work from like 8.30 to 5.30 and I would go and pick her up. In fact, then like when I first had her, like um, her father and I lived together. So we okay. would kind of like work to help each other like so when she was a baby right but then mm-hmm. um, fast forward to when she was like two um I decided to move so um originally mm-hmm. when I moved I moved with some distant relatives who I thought I knew um but fast forward six to eight months later and I had to move mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. now like um you know on my own like trying to figure this thing out and so um I had a job where I think I had the same schedule, like 8.30 to 5.30 kind of thing, or either 8.30 to 5, mm-hmm. and I would only take, like, a 30-minute lunch break. And then I had, like, a 30-minute wow. commute to her daycare and a 30-minute commute home. And so um, wow. back then, like, I was still trying to figure out how I was going to pay rent and all of that. And so I got, like, a job working at home. So it was crazy, mm-hmm. like, in the beginning. Like, wow. um, when I had to move out with my relatives and move, like, in my own place and all of that, it was crazy. Like, I would come home like literally almost running sometimes in the house um to like Mm. like warm her some food up and then put her put the tv on and log in to work a shift you know because I'm working from home this is like my second job so I'm like logging in to work Uh a shift and like work an hour you know give her a bath and put her to bed and then work another hour so I was trying to like, cause the wow. minimum was like, you had to work two to three hours um, a day and then like five mm-hmm. hours on the weekends. So for wow. about six months, that was my life. It was crazy. Like sometimes I would have to stop like and get her fast food on the way home because I didn't have time to cook. Um, it was just really oh. rough, you know, for those six yeah. months. And then I found another job that allowed me to, um, you know, kind of like not work, have to work two jobs, which I probably would like have liked to work in a the other job to have like some extra income to do like you know those mm-hmm. nice things that you like to do but I had to sacrifice right it's like right. I was not spending any time with my daughter although she was here um I was just working right. my life away you know trying to afford to pay the rent in this apartment and so just trying to make it yeah just trying to make it and yeah that was a journey but like now I've gotten to a place where um, I have a bit more time. I'm working on really like sticking to the schedule that I've designed mm-hmm. um, so I mm-hmm. can really manage the time that I have. And so I work 8.30 to 4.30. And so um, I will okay. go and pick her up. I make it to the daycare around like five something. And then I pick her mm-hmm. up, we come home, we eat, we do her homework, and then we have some time, you know. And um, That's nice. Yeah, and so... How old is your um, daughter again? She's five now. Yeah, she just turned five in um, February. And so, like, now it's like, okay, I really have to get back to cooking because we eat out so much. (laughs) Because, like, I feel like if I don't, like, cook on the weekends, like, meal prep, Mm. um, it's it's tough because you, you have to, like, carve out, like, maybe an hour to two hours between, like, prepping the food, cooking it, and then eating, you know? And, like if we're getting home like five thirty six, you know she goes to like her bedtime is nine so there's only right. like three hours to get homework done get a bath and have some time together you know and so if I put cooking into those three hours that we have like we lose that takes away yeah we lose time and so it's just yeah. 
a lot of trying to like figure out what works with the time that you have I think but it's definitely um, challenging and then like you said like trying to throw like dating into the mix when I only have like three hours during the weekdays it's like tough and I try to explain that to people and they don't always get it and even like sometimes I'm like I can't talk on the phone until after nine like after my daughter goes to sleep because Uh, yeah you know you can't like sacrifice time with her to talk to some you know some dude you know you have to make sure she's taken care of yeah, and even, like, family, I'm sorry. Like, sometimes I won't call them back. And I'm so sorry, y'all, if y'all listen to the podcast. <laughs> I will see them call, and I'll be like, I'm sorry, I can't talk now. Straight to voicemail. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah, no, but you have to do what you have to do, and I'm sure your family understands that, you know, you're working hard. You're, you don't have the support right now in terms of family nearby so you have to do what you have to do and I always say you know I didn't have a child for somebody else to take care of it or I didn't have a child so that I could neglect the child so if you're especially when you're deciding to have a kid when you're when you make that choice actively I feel that you really owe them the best of you and so I think you're you're doing what you have to do to make sure your daughter is taken care of emotionally and physically and it's not easy. So dating does certain things have to go on the back burner, including accepting calls from family <laughs> during the week <laughs> and dating, you know, it's hard. So I yes. understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wow. it's tough, but anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> my other question was mm-hmm. like, what were some of your biggest struggles? I guess. Um, I know you said you had this breakdown and you kind of talked about it on YouTube, but, mm-hmm. um, talk about like how you felt and then I also know that you said your doctor um, recommended a psychologist in the beginning so that you could kind of talk about how you would talk to your child when they got to this age um, about how they were born I know my daughter is five but I think like last year she was like um, asking me about how a baby is born so they start asking early damn it (laughs) yeah like I don't know no you're fine like these days I think kids are like way more advanced and so yes they hear and see more right yes and I'm like trying to find like little books to kind of like break the process down in a kid-friendly way um, because I don't really know how to like properly explain so that she understands at her age, you know? Yeah, it's hard because yeah, you don't know exactly what they'll understand or not understand and you, you don't want to scare them either. So, or make them feel a certain way. But yes, for me, seeing a psychologist was mandatory. It wasn't even a suggestion. It was required by the clinic. And I think it's smart for them to do that because you do want to make sure that you're okay emotionally and you're okay with the process. And the question she asked me also had a lot to do with the support that I have. So similar to what we've been talking about, like, did you share this with your family? Are they being supportive? Are you alone in this process? Because my doctor, the psychologist did mention that there's most women don't have the support that I expressed that I had. So it's very important to have that support because it is an emotionally draining process. And I honestly didn't think that I would have a breakdown so early in my process. I think it was after cycle two that I just started questioning things and questioning 
what I was doing? Was it fair to this future child that I was having? I started to really have doubts about what I was doing and wondering if this was right. I think part of what led those doubts or put those doubts in my mind was fear because I think I was just trying to protect myself from the potential reality of not getting pregnant in this way and perhaps that kids were not going to be in the cards for me after all so I was just putting so many doubts in my head to sort of prepare myself mentally for the fact that I maybe wasn't going to be able to get pregnant so you know that was tough so I didn't realize going through the process how many how it just really plays on you emotionally and even with all of the support and thank God they were there people were there to say to me listen this is what you've been wanting you're going to be successful and and the support also especially came from the viewers who are like, listen, I believe in you, you're going to do this, you, you will be successful. I had those people cheering me on, thank goodness, but those doubts are very real. They come in very quickly to my surprise as to whether or not, you know, I, I was going to be able to get pregnant. Um, and again, thank goodness I had the support. And in terms of sharing this with my child, I still struggle with the exact words that I'm going to use. I know the ideas I would like to express, but I don't know how I'm going to express that, especially as you were mentioning with your daughter who's five. How do you start that conversation with someone so young? How do I share it? And part of my appointment with my doctor was she shared another person uh, had written a book for their child and essentially in pictures had shared her journey about how, you know, mommy really wanted to have a child. But unfortunately, you know, I forget how it was worded, but unfortunately she wasn't able to, and like through pictures took the child in this book through the journey of becoming pregnant with her. Um, so that's something I'm thinking about, but I really struggle with that right now. <laughs> and yeah. I say that's one of the things that keep me up at night right now is, how will I tell my daughter? And I don't want to, I don't know. I worry about how she's going to feel about it. I worry about her feelings. I worry about whether or not, you know, I also question my channel sometimes. Not, I, I am happy that I'm able to help people and reach people. But then I wonder in the future, as she gets older, does my, will my daughter want her business out there as to how she was conceived like I feel like sometimes that should be her story to tell mm -hmm. and will I continue with this and do I put her on camera because is that fair to her like that should be her like so many things play into my mind about how I'm going to tell her and how what I'm doing will affect her in the future so I don't have an answer to how I'm going to tell her <laughs> but I'm hoping to reach out for help because I, it is something, again, I'm, I'm a planner. I like to think things through and I, I really would love if anybody out there listening has advice, I would love some advice about how to have that discussion with her so that she feels good about herself. I worry about her, her feelings.
Yeah, and I think she'll, like, you'll have to kind of give her, like, a little introduction maybe when she's young, but then, Mm -hmm. like, more in detail when she gets older. And I think um, Mm -hmm. maybe, like, the older her will understand, like, a whole lot more than the younger her. You know, sometimes it takes a while to, like, really, like, grasp the concepts of why, right? That's my daughter's favorite question. Like, she wants to know. why for every single thing and sometimes I'm like why does she ask so many questions but then I'm like well I am inquisitive and I'm always like a google searcher Mm -hmm. just like you so I'm just (laughs) like well the apple does not fall far from the tree so you can't just tell her right right yeah but okay that's really interesting and so when you um see your psychologist do you go in with Mm -hmm. questions or do you just simply simply like go and just ask when things come to mind like because I know sometimes Um, you you have a lot of thoughts right but if you don't write them down you kind of forget yes um I did have some basic questions and that was one of them you know was that I just wasn't sure how I would express this to my child um or how they tell their birth story and she did encourage me to not be dishonest from the get-go she said you just have to answer their questions and be honest from the beginning so that was one of the things that I came with to the table with but she essentially led the way with questioning so she yeah so it was more about her evaluating me and my stability and um, making sure that I knew the information and what I was getting into. So sort of educating me about the process as well. So explaining the difference between IUI and IVF and what it entails to make sure that I understand what I'm getting into and how that might play on me emotionally. And again, making sure that I had the support. So it was more about her making sure that I was prepared. But yes, I did go with a couple of questions. And the major one that I did have had to do with you know, expressing this to my child in the future. Um, I can't recall if I had any other questions, but because I think she had answered some of them just through her line of questioning, so I didn't have to ask. Okay, um, now. Yeah. That's cool. So do you think that you will actually, like, seek out your own, um, maybe not, like, a psychologist, but, like, maybe a therapist? Um, so, like, when you do have your child, like, you have some sort of outlet, Yeah, I think that, um, yes, because I think that there's certain things I, not that I can't talk about with my family and friends, but that perhaps they won't understand. So that's the one thing I realized with this journey is that unless you've been through it and unless you've experienced it, sometimes it's really hard to relate and understand how somebody might feel. So definitely... Yeah, and especially I I even believe in mental health care for children early on, even if there's no sign of anything wrong. I mm-hmm. think that it's healthy for them to have a place to express themselves mm-hmm. and learn how to communicate. And I think that that's something I will want for myself and for my child is just so that they feel they have an outlet for how, you know, how and if they go to school there's certain things you know once your child gets older maybe they don't want to talk to you about mm-hmm. that they might feel comfortable talking to a mental health professional and I feel that for myself as well there's some things maybe I don't want to share with my mom all the time or I don't want to necessarily express to my friends not because I don't trust them but just because I'm not sure if they'll have the answers for me 
that I need. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, sometimes you want more than just venting, right? Because you're only yeah. able to vent to them. Like, they can't really give you any feedback from experience because they haven't right. been through it, like you said. So, yeah, I totally right. um, agree with that. And I'm so glad that you're going to do that. I actually was thinking about finding a therapist, but honestly, I feel like I have so many things that I want them to have. So I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like, get it together, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could find someone who's African-American she's maybe been a right. single mom before and now she's married or she's still a single mom and she's doing this thing so she really gets yes. it right like I don't want to just go yes. to like um, a white therapist who's never been a single mom and doesn't really understand what it's like even though she says she and try to medicate you yeah, <laughs> yeah no, like, that's yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, you're expressing exactly how I felt. So before I started uh, this journey, I did go see a psychologist because I, again, I'm very much into self-care and that was one of the things I wanted to make sure I did before proceeding. And I went to see a psychologist on my own and after five minutes, he wanted to put me on medication. And I thought, but why? I'm not depressed. I'm not, I'm just expressing to you like some stress that I'm having and I would like to right. talk about it. And he didn't get me again. It was like a white male yeah, in a so totally know. coming from a totally <laughs> different background. And he just did not understand me. And that was my experience too, as a child, when I was going through some stuff and I went to see a doctor and he, again, white male did not understand me and where I was coming from. So I, I'm with you where I would love to find someone who gets me, who's had a shared experience, mm -hmm. maybe not exactly, but a similar background. And that yeah. could, come come from a place of knowing and experiencing not just what they read about in the book you know right or they've had like yeah. several clients who have been through what you've been through like over the course of like some years and not you just started dealing with these type of clients but you've actually had a history right. of you know and like what is the feedback from your clients like where are some reviews so yeah like right. that's where I am but like I'm definitely hoping to like do that sometimes this summer and not because I'm having any issues but just because like I said mm -hmm. um like you know I have a, a, some friends but a lot of them don't have kids and like since I got pregnant right. so young like sometimes like I'm just talking and then but they don't really like get it like you said and so mm -hmm. I think that it's so important for me to be able to like have an outlet um to talk to somebody who actually understands and I'm so thankful for this platform that I've created that allows me to connect with like other single moms around the world I truly enjoy like being able to just sit down and have these conversations like this but also like um allowing other people to hear these stories and to be able to understand well not really understand but like see what it's like you know yeah yeah, I think it's really wonderful what you're doing. I think that's why I encourage also other people to share their stories and whatever platform they choose. Not everyone is comfortable in front of the camera or whatever, but, you know, doing a podcast like you are, I think it's important to not, it helps you to not feel isolated, right? And to feel like there's, it, you're, you're getting a chance to meet other people who've had a shared experience, who know what you've been through. Perhaps they're even a bit ahead of the game. And so it's, it's a great supportive, I find a great supportive environment yeah. and it helps you to feel less isolated in whatever journey you're on, even though you're not connecting face to face, but knowing that there are people out there who understand you and what you've been through or what you're going through is 
it's really powerful. And I'm always so grateful when, and shocked when people <laughs> reach out to me. I'm so happy about it because yeah. it, makes, it makes you feel less alone and it makes you feel like, okay, what I'm sharing is important to other people. It's not just right. me talking to myself. Yeah. Right, like you are making an impact in the world whether you know it or not. Yeah, it's really nice. And that's been the rewarding. I didn't expect it to feel this good to know that I'm helping other people or, and I'm sure you get that too, where you just feel yeah. connected to other people in this way, right? It's just really nice. Yeah, because I'm like, at first, like, I have the idea, but I, honestly, like, I sat on it like six months and then I got my mm-hmm. podcast artwork drawn up and then I sat on it another six months. So, like, a year went by before I was like, okay, like, you have to do this. Like, you know, I think sometimes it's just like fear of the unknown. Like, what are people going to think about me? And um, I honestly yeah. used to be that one who was like, I'm not going to refer to myself as a single mom or I'm not going to say that I'm a single mom unless somebody asks or whatever. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, just, I think I kind of felt ashamed about it um, in the beginning, mm-hmm. but um, I had to really learn like what a single mom actually was and what it meant and just all of that, like just a bunch of like researching. Right. And so finally right. I got out of that comfort zone of just like being like behind the scenes and just like not really sharing my story because I'm just like, you know, I have so many things that I've learned that people can learn from, you know, like if I just share. And so um, same thing for you guys. And that's why I bring other moms on. So, you know, people can learn from all of us, right? Exactly. I totally agree. Yeah. So um, with that being said, um, those are pretty Mm -hmm. much all of my questions that I had, but I did Mm want to ask you one last thing. Um, and I mm-hmm. normally ask this to like everyone who comes on, um, what mm-hmm. advice do you have for anyone who may be looking to choose to become a single mom by choice or even just a mom by choice, you know, um, maybe something that you wish somebody would have told you before you got started with the process, you know, just share like one or two things. Okay. So I definitely think that what's been important for me in this journey is finding a community to belong to. I think that I didn't realize how important it would be again, because when I had my breakdown, I had support from all areas, family, friends, and the community on YouTube. So I think finding a community to belong to, even if you don't have the family support necessarily at first, once that baby comes, by the way, everybody's going to be jumping for joy. But if you don't initially have that support, (laughs) you should definitely seek out a community to belong to where people will understand what you're going through and emotionally support you. I definitely think I didn't realize the value in that until I was going through it, how important it was when you're at your lowest point and then you get a message or you get somebody reaching out to you saying something really positive and you're like, wow, you know, that actually helped me and it made me feel really good. So that's definitely one piece of advice I would like to share with people. And then the second thing too, if you're on the fence about getting pregnant or starting a family in this way because of public opinion, I definitely think you have to evaluate what's most important to you. I really had to take stock. So one of the things I I did before getting pregnant, I had to take, take stock of my life and see you know, and sort of look into the future and see like, okay, if I continue to live my life this way as a single independent woman who gets to travel when she wants to, has her 
oh, beautiful apartment in Brooklyn, um, who has all these things, like, is that going to be enough for me in 10 years? Will I regret not starting my family? And for me, that regret definitely outweighed what people would say. And so I think that if you're on the fence because of what other people will say, I think you just have to, we only have one life. It sounds so corny and overstated, but it's true. Like you only have this one experience that we know of, right? And so you have to make the best out of it. And if you're in a healthy place and you, you feel a calling to become a parent, then you really have to go for it. And you really have to find, again, find that support system if you're not finding it within your family, because it, it, it's worth it. And I'm, I don't regret it, even though I was having doubts throughout the process at times, because, you know, it's difficult, it's emotional, but I, I really don't regret it so far. I'm very happy with my choice and happy that I'm going to have a little person in my arms in a few months, you know, so oh. definitely. <laughs> it's so exciting. But yes. just think about what's important to you and live your best life. Don't let other people make decisions for you. You have to decide what's right for you and, and your life. Yes, I love it. So congratulations again. Tell me how far along you are. Right now I'm 25 weeks. Yeah, so oh I'll be gosh. giving birth July 25th. <laughs> Exciting. So we'll have to yeah. like um, follow up and do like a, I guess maybe like a six month check in, like kind of seeing how. Yeah, you that would be amazing. Feel. I'll be yeah. crying, I'm sure, because of the sleepless <laughs> nights. <laughs> oh my oh. gosh, the newborn stage is like the rough. <laughs> like the <laughs> it's so rough, but once that first month is over and you get some relief, you're like, oh, thank yeah. God. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> I know. I'm looking forward to it, though. It's, I mean, I, I'm ready to not sleep. I'm ready for it. <laughs> yes, you have prepared for this moment. You have. So, yeah. Yeah. thanks again for taking out the time to sit down and chat with me. Like, I really enjoyed this. This was awesome. And I'm looking oh, I did forward too. To, your, to the rest of your journey. So, oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. And I really appreciate you starting this platform. I think it's amazing. And I think it's such a great place for women to come to, to just not learn about single motherhood, but just learn. I know you're working on like business and other areas that you're sharing that part of your life too with people. So that's awesome. Yes. Thank you as well. Now um, tell everybody where they can find you, um, your YouTube channel, social media, and then I'll link those below so that they could just click the links and um, connect with you there. Um, and then anything else that you want to add before we close out? Um, yeah. So you can find me on YouTube at single mother by choice, uh, all one word together. And I'm most active on Instagram. So you can find me at, smbc79 on instagram and i want to thank your audience as well and if you have questions i'm very open i try to get to all questions and comments so if you ever want to email me or anything those are linked underneath my videos you can reach out to me anytime for any support or questions you may have and i appreciate you again kim for having me on today well i hope that you enjoyed this episode with martine she was so sweet and was very knowledgeable. I hope you guys learned something. And if you know any moms that are considering 
themselves to be single mothers by choice, definitely share this episode. And even if you know someone that's married, but they are unable to conceive, share this episode with them as well. I'm sure they could find it very helpful. So Martine recently had her baby. I'm so excited. Congratulations, Martine, if you're listening to this. Definitely be sure to leave a comment and let her know what you thought about this episode. She took out her precious time to sit and chat with me, okay? If you haven't taken the time to do a review, please go ahead and do so. Also, make sure that you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. You can connect with me on Instagram at Single Black Motherhood. I'm also over on Facebook. And go check out the website at www.singleblackmotherhood.com. Until next week, thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you. Bye.